0: giants what i'm about and what i'm about is an old school physical mentality okay we're going to put a product on the field that the people of this city and region be proud of because this team will represent this area we'll play fast we'll play downhill we'll play aggressive we'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes we'll play every play like has a history and a life of its own with a relentless
1: competitive attitude Good evening. Welcome to Big Blue Avenue. I'm your host, Tom Scavetta. Join alongside Hank Indictor. Hank, thank you very much for joining me tonight. It is Throwback Thursday, which means throwback jerseys. Mark Bavaro for Hank, Lawrence Taylor for myself. Welcome to the show.
2: Tom, as always, thanks for having me. Looking forward to talking about the Giants, especially now, because they won a game. And to quote our buddy LPG, wins for the Giants have been few and far between
1: and yeah i'm, I'm just excited <laughs> what can you say a win is a win make sure to go follow us here on facebook subscribe to our page smash a like button at review and preview sports follow us on instagram at review and preview or the anchor for our audio podcast at anchor.fm slash review and preview and subscribe to our youtube channel at review and preview Sports. Lee Stockwell says, good evening, the first comment of the night. Welcome, Lee. Looking forward to having you for the show tonight. Uh, yeah, folks, remember, subscribe to that YouTube channel. There's a lot of good stuff coming and We are live half an hour early tonight. That is because our special guest, Chris Guzzo, the Entertainia talking sports, will be joining us here in the studio live at 7.15 p.m. Eastern Time. Chris is a professional YouTuber from Staten Island who covers all things New York sports, and we will have him joining us very shortly. Lee Stockwell, thank you very much for following our YouTube page. Hank, this was a game against the Washington football team in Week 9, sweeping Washington, which is just a fantastic thing to do to sweep any division rival um, I'm just really excited to talk about this game. On the first drive, the Giants, they got the ball down to the Washington 35. But, however, Hank, it wasn't a promising start. Uh, it ended quickly as they turned the ball over on downs. Deion Lewis, the Giants went for on fourth and one. And then Deion Lewis gets stopped short by Daron Payne, the safety. So, you know, hopes were a little down after that. It's like, oh, no, here we are again. Good start, but unable to capitalize after moving the ball on that first drive. However, one play later is where things went for a real spin. Uh, Antonio Gibson, rookie running back, would get the ball, caught a pass, 21 yards down the field, fooling the defense, outrunning Fackrell. But then he wound up fumbling a ball that was forced by Logan Ryan, who huge chip on his shoulder in this game, which we'll talk about later. And the ball took a lot of bounces that wound up being recovered by Jabril Peppers to secure the Giants' possession. And this play, folks, really perfectly describes the image of the NFC East in 2020. They start from the 35-yard line. Kyle Allen throwing on first down. It's complete. rookie, Antonio, gets it out of the backfield, and he is into Giants territory. Lost the football. Bouncing around. It's still still loose. And now the officials will attempt to get to the bottom of the pile. Giants say they have. So you can see in slow motion Blake Martinez and Logan Ryan collide, punch the football out. There it goes in slow motion. David Mayo fails to recover trying to recover it close to the sideline. And there you see Logan Thomas takes a fall and Yadam in there, Martinez, Bradbury, multiple players from both teams. And fortunately, the Giants uh, beat out the four skins there and uh, were able to recover that football. Jabril Peppers, who honestly, in my eyes, is probably our best safety. So it was great to get possession. Hank, hey, talk about that play and what was going through your mind.
2: That play, I feel like, set the tone for how the game was going to be because this was potentially a big play that could have really helped Washington. And then for them to lose it deep in their own end zone, and then it, it looked like a big game of hot potato. I got it. No, I got it. No, I got it. No, I got it. No, I got it. Right. And then all of a sudden, you've got Drew Roe Peppers falling on it when, when the two Washington guys failed to fall on it and pick the ball up themselves. That was a huge player for the Giants. And you want to know another thing? I think it was good that they got points out of that, too.
1: It was. It proved to be very beneficial for the Giants because later on in the game, Washington would kind of trade blows with the team. They would go back and forth. Um, and, folks, if you're watching our live stream tonight, be sure to comment. Tell us what you think. What's your opinion? We'll take any questions that you may have. Uh, yeah, so after that fumble, the Giants would drive down to the Washington 20 thanks to a 50-yard pass from Daniel Jones to undrafted rookie Austin Mack, making a fantastic grab. Unfortunately, the Giants would have to settle for a Graham Gano field goal, which would put them up 3-0. After the Giants would force a Washington 3-and-out, however, uh, you know they would get the ball back, and they were forced to punt. So Riley Dixon is out there, and then... Well, the Washington punt returner, Isaiah Wright, would fumble the ball on the return, and it was recovered by Madre Harper at the 16-yard line. And before we show to that video, let's get to this comment from Lee. Boy, he wrote us an essay. Uh, Love the play for a specific reason. The Giants have always had the termination all season, and I personally believe other fans of Giants never view it that way. They only look at the win column, and it is so disturbing. New coaching staff, new O line, new defensive players. Come on, we have only lost by 10 in almost all games other than the 49ers. Wow. What do you think, Hank? I I think that, Lee, I think that was pretty
2: well written. And yeah, you're right. The Giants pretty much have been in, yeah, literally every single game. And even in the 49er game, that was only close in like the first half. So. Yeah, I think you pretty much have been saying some of the things that Tom and I
1: have stressed pretty much all season long. Lee, I definitely agree with you. The problem is majority of the majority of the fan base, I think, in order to convince them that you have to beat somebody outside of the Washington football team in order to convince them. But uh, another good play here, the second turnover for Washington in this game. Let's take a look as to what happened and why it happened. Dixon boots it, got knocked down, no flag. Wynn makes a shoestring catch, and the Giants cover it, knock the ball loose, and Madre Harper has recovered it. So there's the fumble, as you can see. Ballantyne in there. There it is in slow motion, and I'll show you the gunner coming down. Cam Brown, as you can see, circled there, number 47. This is what you call a third gunner because you can double up on gunners. There he goes. That's a Canadian-style type of play you must thank Joe Judge for. And first of all, the kick is angling towards the right. So Wright has a tough field here, trying to field it and off his shoestring, and there's Cam Brown ready to make a play. Once Wright regains his composure, possession of the ball, Cam Brown comes in, forces the fumble, recovered. Madre Harper, perfect example on how to recover. A football on a fumble just going there in a fetal position to recover it Hank this was another play that has shown you how Joe Judge has been more of a teacher for this Giants team yeah that was that's another example of him pretty much
2: being very detail-oriented and punting the ball in a particular way so that you know the the returner is going to have a tough time catching it and Tom, I gotta say, I also like how you you had the the Madden like marker drawing in there to show
1: that show the viewers what was going on. Yeah, gotta be very creative and show the viewers what's going on so that they could get the more in depth analytical perspective of the play because when they show that play live on TV, they didn't show where Cam Brown was lined up. But I'm glad that we just showed it now to the audience since it adds up, makes a little more sense. But and you want to know another. And I'll tell you another important part about that play. What's that?
2: Just like the fumble, this also led to points, this time a
1: touchdown. Correct. So on the ensuing drive, Daniel Jones would throw a 10-yard pass to Austin Mack, bringing them to the two-yard line after a review. And then Wayne Gallman would punch it in on the next play to pad the Giants, an early 10-0 lead, which was great. And then on the next Washington possession, the sixth play, Quarterback Kyle Allen would unfortunately suffer a severe ankle injury. He pretty much dislocated his ankle uh, on an 11-yard sack by Jabril Peppers, which was flagged, uh, roughing the passer penalty. Allen would have to leave the game, replaced by Alex Smith, and Kyle Allen is now out for the season. So Alex Smith would continue. By the way, before, before you continue
2: with that, I do want to say this about the, about the injury. I don't really think that that was a dirty play. I think that's another example of just bad luck, ouch, freak freak injury. That said, hopefully Kyle Allen gets better soon and,
1: see, and best of luck to him next year. Yeah, I would agree. It's very crazy. We were talking about this, um, how the Joe Theismann injury, the Alex Smith injury two years ago, and this injury to Kyle Allen, they all happened within like four yards of each other on the football field, which is how... Uh, insane that is so it was very unfortunate but Alex Smith would continue to drive Washington deep into Giants territory but the drive stalled penalty by Logan Thomas for holding and then Morgan Moses an illegal use of hands to the face one of their offensive linemen and Dustin Hopkins would have to settle 48 yards now the Giants are up 10 to 3 and they force a wa- they actually they would end up getting a field goal of their own to extend the lead to 10, which was big. The problem is, again, a lot of field goals, not touchdowns. And we have another comment from Lee. Do you think no no preseason games uh, was an extreme disadvantage to teams like the Giants? Do you think if we had them, would we have more wins by now?
2: Uh, Lee, to answer your question, I would say – I'm going to say that's a maybe. They probably would, but – to answer the main part of your question, yeah, I do think it was a big disadvantage because it took a while for guy for guys in the offensive line and some players on the defense to start yell. I think now we're starting to see more and more they're starting to come together. We know this isn't real we knew this was going to be a rebuilding season to begin with, but yeah, I think you're right. The disadvantage was tough having
1: a recent game was, was huge, yeah, no, I agree. I said this from the beginning, Paul detino said it in his interviews uh during the training camp, it's going to hurt this team because new coaching staff, a lot of turnover, um, you know, it's couldn't agree more. I think you could look at the Dallas and the Philadelphia game, the Chicago game, and even the Tampa game as games. The Giants possibly could have won, Um, but you know, it's a shame the Giants are starting to learn how to finish though. And that was the key to this week's game and sights and sounds of the game starring Sterling Shepard, the word finish so up 13 to three and Washington had a three and out Giants we get the ball back they anchor a 10 play 77 yard drive capped off by a beautiful 16 yard touchdown pass from Daniel Jones to Evan Ingram for Evan Ingram's first touchdown of the season 10th play of the drive for the Giants second down at nine Jones with time throws to the end zone and a So, Hank, there's something we should point out on this play as we see another replay. We're going to go in slow motion. Look at the wall up front by Lemieux, Gates, and Zeitler. That gives Jones a clean pocket. Chase Young and Montez Sweat come off the edge. Andrew Thomas and Matt Pert have them locked down, as you can see right there. What does this allow Jones to do? As you can see, Alfred Morris is slipping through. The linebacker is in charge of him. So Jones has a pure pocket to throw. And he delivers a strike to Evan Ingram, who makes the catch in the end zone for a touchdown. Thoughts?
2: Yeah, it was a beautiful play, and I, I do agree. Credit has to go to the offensive line. And this is another thing that we've been saying, too. When Daniel Jones has a clean pocket and when he has the time, he can throw dimes
1: like that, hence his nickname. Yeah. Another thing we should mention, too, about the offensive line is that this drive featured a 19-yard run and an 11-yard run by Alfred Morris. Uh, Opening holes for the run game leads into holes for the passing game as well. It allows Jones time in the pocket. It was great to see C.J. Board back in action this weekend, too. He had a crucial catch on that drive, third and five. That moved the chains, kept it going. And then now Giants are up 20-3, to final possession of the first half. Washington, again, deep into Giants territory. It started off with a 31-yard pass to Cam Sims, who the Giants have not been able to cover uh, multiple times over the course of the two games that they've played this year. He's burnt us several times, and then the drive would end with Alex Smith throwing this errant pass to our middle linebacker, Blake Martinez. Alex Smith on first down. The kickoff. McKissick was the here it is again folks bj hills dropping into a zone passes too high for mckissick thanks to the pressure and blake is able to scoop it up for the interception there it is the receiver basically fell down and blake did a good job closing in on the football You can see Leonard Williams, Trent Harris, and BJ Hill dropping back into his zone. Jabril Peppers rushing the passer. You want to talk about confusion? That's an excellent display by Patrick Graham and the Giants defense right there, Hank. Oh, definitely.
2: I w- I was about to say Patrick Graham has come up with a lot of good plays, and I think this is another example. And he made another he was responsible for another big play that we will talk about much later when we're near the end of the game. But for now. We're into the second half. Washington would get the ball to start it. And I don't know about you, Tom, but when going into the start of the second half, I remember I was thinking 17-point lead, smooth sailing. But um, is it a little – am I a little too comfortable? Well, as, as it turned out, yes. They would drive 76 yards on six plays. Alex Smith threw a big 45-yard pass to Cam Sims, and that was another example of the Giants defense not being able to cover him. And on that same drive, of course – Antonio Gibson, the rookie, would punch it in. He'd put Washington right back in the game. It was a one-yard touchdown run. Giants would respond. They would go 51 yards in 12 plays, Washington 24-yard line. Which, and it was a good drive because they, they ended up eating over seven minutes of game clock, but the only downside was it set, they had to sell for a 42-yard Graham Gano field goal, which, by the way, I'll give you a fun fact. This was his 18th consecutive field goal that he has made this year, and he's also made 19 of 20 field goals this year. He has been insane, Mr. Automatic. But I'll tell you the real highlight of this drive is there were several good gol- good runs by Wayne Gallman. But unfortunately, it was another
1: example of the offensive line struggling. Tom, what were your thoughts on it? I mean, yeah, it was a good drive. But again, the reason why Washington stuck around in this game is because of their defense. The Fifth-ranked defense in the NFL and the inability to score touchdowns, uh, leaving points off the board, that's what kept them around and allowed Alex Smith to potentially make a comeback in this game.
2: Yeah, I agree. Normally on games like this, we, we could like talk about the Giants offense, what they didn't do. But I don't think that would necessarily be fair because Washington, as we've mentioned in the previous game show in the previous episode, they have a good defense. And this is, this was a game that showed that. And so on the next Washington drive, another pass from Smith to Cam Sims. This one's from 33 yards down to the Giants 40-yard line, and I'll tell you this, though. The Giants' defense came up huge. Leonard Williams had a huge sack, caused the drive to stall. Washington had to had to settle for a field goal themselves. This one from 44 yards from Dustin Hopkins, it would be 23-13. But, yeah, you could tell Washington was still in this game. But on the next possession, Al- Alfred Morris helped the Giants. He had a big 20-yard run, start the fourth quarter, but – Unfortunately, that drive stalled, so the Giants would have to punt. And then this is where the football team would put a scare into the Giants. Alex Smith threw a 68-yard touchdown pass to scary Terry McLaurin on the third play of the drive. And, Tom, i, I got to tell you, that tackling attempt by
1: Isaac Yottam was what really killed the Giants right there. It's not Halloween anymore. Scary Terry shouldn't be a thing, and Isaac Yadam made him a thing. He's (laughs) unable to wrap him up, and Joe Judge ripped him a new one on the sideline after that play, ripped the whole defense a new one, because that play brought Washington within three points. It's just unacceptable, poor fundamentals, lack of discipline, and with a wide receiver like Scary Terry, you can't allow him to do that. Yeah, no, he's a big-bodied receiver who kind of,
2: if you really think about him, look at him, he's similar to Mike Wallace in his prime news with the Steelers. So, yeah, no. Can, that cannot happen. And are we wearing the same jersey? Uh Actually, no. Let me show you. I got Mark Bavaro, 89, right here. And, Tom, show show them the LT 56.
1: There you go. Good yeah. The 80s, the glory days. Probably my two favorite players from that team, LT and Mark Bavaro. I uh, just really – I got this jersey at um, a fair few like 10 years ago for 60 bucks. Uh, Super Bowl 25 patch too. This so. one
2: I think I think I got this on eBay. That one was around 70 80, not too bad. Anyways, the um the Giants would punt and they would give Washington a chance to take the lead. 5 minutes left. They Drive the ball 49 yards. They would get. They would even get into Giants territory. But Alex Smith would throw a crucial pick to Julius Peppers. Giants would get the ball back. They'd run down the clock to 18. However, I do want to point out this actually was one of the more crucial plays on this Giants drive. Daniel Jones gets sacked to force the Giants to punt. Now, why on earth would I be saying a Daniel Jones sack is crucial? Well, if you've been paying attention to our last episode, you'll remember that I said that one of the things Daniel Jones needs to work on is accepting a negative play for what it is, And rather than throwing the ball and trying to force something, which could have been a really bad interception, he just took the sack and the Giants basically punted it with 218, which, you know, it's not the ideal situation. I'll give you that. It's not, but... You know what? I would much rather him punt, him have the Giants punt it and have, make Washington have to earn those yards rather than Jones throwing one and Washington be in potentially better field
1: position. Am I the only one that thinks that play probably won the Giants that game? Because if he fumbles, you could argue that they lose it.
2: Yeah, you know what? I, I can't say that I disagree with you, Tom. It's I, I just remember thinking after, after the game that him taking that sack was crucial. And there have been plenty of other times where he threw an interception when he was this close to being sacked, where I'm thinking, okay,
1: maybe he should have just taken the sack. And I could have lived with it. I don't know about you. Yeah. I, I could live with the sack. I mean, I'd rather, you know, a negative play than a losing play. So that's I mean what it comes down to in hindsight, because you he, saw what happened on the next drive. And here here's how I like to put it with
2: regards to turnovers. Turnovers and punts are essentially the same thing. Our turnover, though, is just worse because it gives a team probably better field position. And it can Pretty really... Much. Pretty much. All right. Anyways, after that, Alex Smith has the ball. He has one more chance to give Washington the lead. But then two plays after that punt, Smith would throw yet another pick. This one to Logan Ryan, and this time the Giants got the ball back, and obviously Washington used up all their timeouts, so they were able to milk the clock out and secure their second victory of the season. And I have to say, the Logan Ryan interception is an example of one of those feel-good moments. Because as we know, Logan Ryan had a really, really tragic week. He, he lost his daughter, due, his unborn daughter, due to complications of like childbirth, and his wife and he almost lost his wife, too. She, um, she nearly died from that. And I, it's, it's one of those things that really puts life into perspective for you. I, I don't know how, what your thoughts are, but mm-hmm. it's one of those things where I'm sure many parents look at their kids and think how lucky they are.
1: Yeah, that's a fair statement. Let's show the play, though, to the folks on what exactly we're talking about. Put the icing on the cake for Big Blue. Who's getting a ton of pressure for the Giants? Second down and six. Smith over the middle, intercepted wow. once again. This time it is Logan Ryan, and that will put an exclamation point on the second victory of this. So here it is right here. The Giants are showing Washington this formation. You see Fackrell, Leonard Will, and Alex Smith. He's looking towards his left. What he doesn't see is the safety Logan Ryan coming in. He sees Jabril Peppers, but he's looking for his receiver, And what happens is he begins to hesitate, as Joe Judge is showing you guys right now. The hesitation causes him to not see Logan Ryan as he tries to drill it into Scary Terry. Logan Ryan undercuts that route because Smith's vision was altered thanks to the concept that Patrick Graham introduced to Joe Judge on Saturday morning. Hey, let's throw this play in there to throw them off. And they implemented it late in the game. And it worked. And that's pretty much what won the Giants this football game, Hank. And Lee says he is excited to have Logan Ryan. We should keep him for next season to help with the new cornerback that are out due to injury, etc.
2: Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Logan Ryan has been a key acquisition, and I would love to have him back next year. I think he could be a really good leader with the secondary for sure.
1: Well, I'd love to too, but I don't think they're going to bring him back because here's the problem. You have to pay Dalvin Tomlinson and you have to pay Leonard Williams. Where's that other money going to go unless Ryan comes back on, you know, a veteran minimum deal, one, two-year deal? I don't think you'll see Logan Ryan back next year, unfortunately. Don't get me wrong. I want him back, but you got to throw the bank at your defensive line. That's the strength of your defense, and you got to keep that intact.
2: That's a very fair point, and, yeah, I can't disagree with you there, but – However, I will say this, that the play, the important part, the Giants have won their fifth straight against Washington. This dates back to week 14 of the 2018 season. Matter of fact, they have only, as I said in the last episode, they've only lost four times to to Washington at FedEx field since the 2006 season. And astonishing, by the way. Yeah, no, it's, it's amazing how the Giants have really handled Washington over the years and of course, that includes Daniel Jones. He is now 4-0 no against them in his career. But, you know, we want to see him beat other teams besides Washington. And I'll tell you the most important fact, part about this victory. If you can believe it, to quote Dumb and Dumber, Jim Carrey's character, so you're saying there's a chance. Yes, in fact, there is a chance. The Giants are 2-7, and seven, and they still have a shot at winning the division as they are in striking distance of the NFC at least.
1: I like your emphasis on that, but you know, the Giants are three and uh, two and seven and they're playing the three, four and one Philadelphia Eagles this weekend. But before we get there, let's just mention again, five straight wins against Washington. And the biggest thing for me was Daniel Jones, not turning the ball over in this game. And this was a huge key to the game. The Giants. To win the turnover battle. As you can see, his numbers, he was sacked five times. That was uh you know the most amount of times he was sacked in a game this season. But uh neither fumble that he had in this game resulted in a change of possession. One flew out of bounds, and and he did two critical things that were the difference in the win. So his his passing grade in a clean pocket is actually the third best in the NFL. He has an 85.8 passer rating when he has a clean pocket this that was over this past weekend but uh and again a 94.2 rating in this game that was his best of the season uh only one incompletion in the second half of this game that was a drop by Evan Ingram it wasn't even his fault imagine that one incompletion in an entire half and it's not your fault so Hank we're seeing a lot of um improvement here for Danny Jones
2: Absolutely, and I agree. I think that tur- I think not having a turnover is huge, not just for the for the Giants winning, but I also would say it does a lot in terms of developing
1: his confidence for the next few weeks of the season. Hundred percent, I agree. Um, just messaging Chris Guzo here on uh, the DMs, making sure he is. Um, Here, he will be on in 15 minutes, folks, really looking forward to it. But another thing, too, about Daniel Jones, his PFF grades, he's rated in the middle of the pack. You know, it's not all just about numbers and how many yards you throw. It's about the decisions you make. And, you know, Jones's numbers are improving just a little bit. Uh, You know, you look at his stats last time out there against Philadelphia, uh, 20 for 30, 187 yards, two touchdowns, one pick, and one fumble loss, so he had two turnovers. Uh, looking at it and this game against Washington this past weekend was the first time this season he didn't have a turnover so now the question is will he'll will he be able to do that again against Philadelphia this week Hank and I think it starts with um, predictions for me I think he throws just under 300 yards two touchdowns I think he does have one interception but I don't think he fumbles I think he's starting to learn and I think the fumbles will be few and far between moving forward Hey, I, I
2: like that prediction, I, and I hope you're right. I would say, I would say definitely over 200 yards. Yeah, I, I could see maybe a touchdown or or not touchdown. Sorry, a turnover too. But yeah, I would imagine if he if he has a turnover, it's probably going to be an interception. But I yeah. can very well see him improve next week and
1: hopefully beyond that. We also need to give recognition to the Giants. Um, their rushing attack, folks. Uh, They had a season-high 402 yards. 166 of them were on the ground. Fourth straight game where the Giants rushed for at least 100 yards, and that's thanks to guys like Wayne Gallman and Alfred Morris. Gallman, 68 yards, one touchdown. In fact, he's the 24th-ranked running back on PFF, and Morris with 67. Hank, I liked what I saw, this combination of Gallman and Morris. It could really work, especially when – Devonte freeman comes back i kind of like this running back by committee type of thing that they're implementing
2: yeah me too you don't really have to give feed one guy the ball too much you've got a good balanced attack and i think getting Devonte freeman back could be a very big boost to
1: this running game lee says if the o-line rookies play just as good throughout the season uh, bye to Fleming and Zeitler and the other dude out for COVID-19. He's referring to Nate Solder. So I agree. I think none of those three will be back next year at this time. However, we don't know due to injuries and what could potentially unfold. Another guy I want to single out is Austin Mack. Four catches, 72 yards, including the 50-yard um, reception. Had the highest PFF grade on the team and. He also led the team with nearly four yards of separation on his routes, including that one catch he had on that third down where Daniel Jones played tribute to Eli Banning, saying his name as part of an audible, and it worked. I love that. Love that. Real respect's real. What can I say? Yeah. Another pro to this game, Ingram obviously scoring his first touchdown. The O-line continues to improve. Shane Lemieux is good. Should he be a starter? Um, maybe he should be a part of the rotation, even when Will Hernandez comes back, because he was activated off of COVID IR uh, this past week. So I think it's very important to see that and see how the Giants will use him. Nick Gates had a game really good on pro football focus, 74 and a half, second best on the offense. And you want to talk about the Giants. In pass blocking, they're the 11th best unit in the league this week that was their highest weekly rank of the season Matt Pert, no pressures Cam Fleming no pressures Gates and Thomas only one pressure apiece so Hank this goes to show that the offense is taking real small steps in the right direction and now uh, you know week nine and maybe it's not as soon as you would have liked to have seen it but you're starting to see it yeah
2: exactly I think It took a while, but I can definitely tell from this game that they're like slowly starting to gel and get used to each other.
1: A quick reminder as we hit the top of the hour, Chris Guzzo, also known as the Entertain You Talking Sports, joins us at 7.15 p.m. just in 12 minutes. And now it's time to introduce to you folks our New York Giants Player of the Week. And this week's weekly honor goes to... Blake Martinez, who continues to shine, as you can see, 10 tackles, couple of passes defended, and a key interception, as we showed you on film a couple of moments ago, his first interception here in New York. He leads the NFL with 92 tackles, Hank, and he's pretty darn good in coverage, 78.6 coverage grade this week. Yeah, he's been amazing. And I think the pick
2: at the end end of the second half, you can argue, was probably a big reason that the Giants won that game. And, you know, Tom, I'm going to make a not-so-bold prediction. I have a feeling this probably won't be the last time we have him as one
1: of our Players of the Week in this segment. I'm pretty sure he was our first-ever one as well. This is the second time he's won that accolade for us on the show.
2: I feel like he wanted three. I feel like this may be his second or third time, but regardless, yes. And it goes to show you that he is arguably Dave Gettleman's biggest acquisition that he made this season.
1: Yeah, and that's big. So I think looking ahead, Blake Martinez should continue to shine. I predict 11 tackles this weekend. And just look how good he is against the run. 85.5 against the run at his position for linebackers pretty darn good in pass coverage considering he's not notoriously known for his pass coverage skills but overall defensively sixth ranked linebacker in the league top tackler through nine weeks i'll take it so blake martinez our new york giants player of the week now hank uh another couple guys who had good games i'll go over the first one and then you'll go over the next one james bradbury for me had a bounce back week he only gave up one reception i was impressed yeah Bradbury had a
2: big bounce back and you know what I think he needed that after that Buccaneer game where he had those bad penalties but it's something you need to see and you know he he's the one guy that we can rely on in terms of quarterback so I'm I was very happy for him and the other guy that did well I think if you weren't going to give player of the week or sorry player of the week to Blake Martinez then the the only other guy that I could really make an argument for is Jabril Peppers. He had that fumble recovery and a very important interception in the fourth quarter. Not to mention three pass deflections. So I would say Jabril Peppers was a very big part in that win for sure.
1: I think there's a third guy you got to throw in there too, and you know, uh, of course, I think I know who it is. Yeah, it's Logan Ryan. Uh, in my Boy. opinion, he is the unsung hero of this game. Not to mention he caused two of the turnovers two of washington's five turnovers uh, game winning interception had six tackles two passes defended and he forced the fumble on that first on their first play of the game so that was huge for me and he's second on the team with 53 tackles this year only behind Blake Martinez playing 100% of the snaps i mean he got the game ball and yeah. you know obviously the difficult week for him He's an outstanding box safety against the run, and he's caused three turnovers this year. So, Hank, he's very productive out there on the football field. Oh, definitely, for sure. I
2: think I I definitely would agree. Unsung hero. And, yeah, I think he definitely, given the circumstances of what happened to him this week, I think he definitely deserved the game ball
1: for sure. Uh, not to mention, since 2013, he's the only player in football with 15 or more interceptions and 10 or more forced fumbles. Fun fact. Did you know that? No, I did not, but that's pretty cool. That's amazing. Yeah. Now, what is Logan Ryan's true position on this team, folks? Because it, nobody seems to know. He plays some box safety. He plays some slot. He plays some boundary corners sometimes. I just think he's a versatile Swiss Army knife. You could plug it in multiple positions on this de- on this defense. Oh, yeah, definitely. But that's my opinion on Logan Ryan. If you want to state yours in the comments section, where do you think he belongs? Uh, We'll be happy to collaborate with you. But moving on from Logan Ryan, who is the unsung hero of week nine. Quick reminder, Chris Guzzo will be joining us in in approximately seven to eight minutes. So make sure to stay tuned. He is a professional YouTuber for the New York football giants and Defensively, this line was impressive. Tomlinson, Williams, Lawrence, Hill held Washington to just 37 yards on the ground. The lowest opposing total since week seven against the Minnesota Vikings in 2013. Mm-hmm. Hank, you came up with that stat. And yeah, that's they, held, right. they held Antonio Gibson to just 20 yards. That's
2: a really good job. It's, and it shows you how much better the Giants have gotten at stopping the run over the course of the season. Again, Very, I like what I'm seeing from this defensive unit. And, yeah, Yeah. so that's crazy. I I remember that game, too. That was like the, what were they, 0-6 before they won that game?
1: Yep. Another thing, too, forcing five turnovers is huge. And not just that, but committing none. The biggest turnover differentiation since week four of 2014. And, fun fact, that was against Washington. See what I mean? I said this in the last week, and I said
2: this in the first game against Washington. Anytime the Giants have a losing streak, Washington always comes up at the perfect time
1: for the Giants to get that win. True. Uh, Alex Smith had the three picks despite the 325 yards. Gibson lost the fumble. Wright lost the fumble. Those three men accounted for the five turnovers. Graham Goodneau is your NFC Special Teams Player of the Week. Congratulations. The kicker from Scotland. Uh, he has connected on 18 straight field goals, scoring 11 points for the Giants this week. Three field goals, two extra points. And overall, Hank, I've got to say, we looked a lot more disciplined as a team. The no turnovers, only four penalties, and we dominated time of possession.
2: Yeah, and that's a that's another good credit to Joe Judge. Some A lot of the things that he emphasizes for this team. And you know what?
1: I'm hoping I see more of that, especially next week against Philly. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, Cons, the Giants were only able to score three points in the second half. That's a big one. Are the Giants a team that was finally able to finish, or do you still think this is an area where they need to improve?
2: I do think they've been getting better at finishing games in the second half slash fourth quarter, well, particularly last week, and I was glad that they were able to do it. Regardless, though, And I don't mean to sound like a Debbie Downer or anything, but this was against Washington. We want to see how this goes against other teams. And with that having been said, the fact that they let this them in the game—don't me wrong—credit Washington and their defense for keeping the minute. But I do think we want—I do want to see the Giants make more of a habit of it. Because I'm not going to say after like one win, oh, the Giants are finally can finish a game.
1: No, we need to see this happen on a more consistent basis. And it's not just the offense, too. There was some times where the defense didn't make the plays that they needed to. Isaac Yadam recorded his first career sack, but he also gave up that huge touchdown to McLaurin. Almost cost the Giants the game. Scary Terry had seven catches, 115 yards. Cam Sims had three catches of 30-plus. And the Washington football team actually outgained the Giants, 402 to 350, and they outpassed us, 365 to 184 so they won in, in several different categories Hank and I think their secondary they're a really good pass defense hence why they held Darius Slayton only one catch for six yards what has happened to Mr. Slayton I
2: think probably teams have started to catch up up on him and they, they know what he can do and so that they see that he's a big threat and they're starting to clamp down can he improve? I, I think so. But I, I just think that's the other teams adjusting.
1: I don't know if it's necessarily Jerry Slayton himself. I think not having Golden Tate hurt that a little bit. He was benched and yeah. did not travel due to his comments and his actions in the previous week. And then Evan Ingram, he was Jekyll and Hyde again. Uh, he had that big catch for the touchdown, but still had two drops, one of which nearly led to an interception. Uh And again, Daniel Jones being sacked five times. Again, play calling by Jason Garrett was iffy at times. They ran that flea flicker. Flea flicker is supposed to be a trick play. You're supposed to gain big yards on a play like that. Instead, it resulted in a Ryan Kerrigan sack, uh, sack, who happened to be one of our players to watch last week. As James said, I think Tate is out this week. And I'm not 100% certain on that, but... I'd imagine Austin Mack will probably get majority of his snaps. Here's the thing about those trick
2: plays. Like, I'm not generally opposed to the idea of having a trick play. The problem is I think maybe Jason Garrett needs to like cut down on those a little bit or something like that. Because the Giants, as we, we know, they don't necessarily have the talent to where they can do that on a consistent basis. Yeah. And so if you're gonna do it, do it like maybe not as often and hopefully maybe find a way to
1: execute it better. That's a really good point too. And then Hank, and we get into some of the key takeaways before we bring Chris up here, Daniel Jones took a major step forward. Again, only one incomplete pass in the second half took a sack late where in the game where he would normally fumble, and then Patrick Graham continues to do a lot of excellent work with this defense, Hank. As you can see, the Giants have 15 takeaways in nine games. Did you folks know the Giants are tied for second in the entire NFL in takeaways? This is a playoff defense. Their 22 sacks ranked eighth in the league. They rank fifth with 59 quarterback hits, and their run defense only allows about three and a half yards of carry, led by Leonard Williams with his five sacks, Hank. Impressive. I, I like I like the progress that this defense is making. Only problem is the more progress they make, the more uh, buzz Patrick Graham gets about head coaching calls. So, you know, you don't know how long this guy will be here. I mean, we'll see. I don't know if his name is going to be called up necessarily
2: this year, but I would say if this defense is sufficiently good in about a couple years,
1: definitely. I can definitely in see his name being out in there. In a couple of years, for sure. The running game is also improving. We did outrush Washington 166 237. And I'd expect three players, key players on defense, to return after the bye Xavier McKinney, O'Shane Zimenez, and Tate Crowder. Although Tate Crowder, who's been nursing a hamstring injury, his 21 day window began yesterday. Uh, Hank, and two more key takeaways before we bring Chris up, who is backstage right now, the entertainer. The Giants have rushed now for over 100 yards and allowed fewer than 100 yards defensively in four straight. And did you know that's actually the longest streak they've had since 2010? It's been a decade since they've been able to do that. That's crazy. I didn't realize that. Yeah, I didn't realize that, too. When I was looking, at. I was like, wait, really? But Again, now, the real question is, do they have a legitimate shot at winning the NFC East? It's crazy I'm even asking this, but I guess we have to ask that question, though.
2: (laughs) I mean, I'll answer that for you for a bit, if if you don't mind. Sure. Or or at least I'll try within the best of my abilities. I would say, yeah, they probably do, but I think the schedule is kind of half and half, so probably not. But again, to to quote Jim Carrey from Dumb and Dumber so you're saying there's a chance
1: (laughs) (laughs) on that note let's bring up our guest for the evening and a very warm welcome to the entertainer chris guzzo am i pronouncing that correctly
0: Uh, you can pronounce it everyone italy it's Guzzo. some uh, some people say guzzo some people say guzzo i was raised to say guzzo but it's pronounced several different ways but i appreciate you for having me
1: on no problem thank you very much for joining us and i know uh you have your podcast on new york sports that you run on youtube the entertainia talking sports correct
0: yeah entertaina entertaina talking sports yeah it's on youtube i talk uh, pretty much it's almost exclusively giants i mix in a little little bit of Knicks, a little bit of mets but it's you know 95% giants nice I see you got that Knicks hat too where they had the fire department thing that's pretty dope yeah, it's their uh, alternate logo. I, I love. I bet, that's why I wear it in all my videos. I gotta get a new Giants hat. I gotta start wearing it more in my videos. But yeah, and I'm wearing. I'm wearing my good luck Giants hoodie. It's been working, so hopefully it works this week. Oh, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get started, guys. <laughs> and, um, so, let me ask you, Chris what
2: What inspired you to start making the YouTube videos, and how did How did your channel start to grow over time?
0: Yeah, um, I I just did it for fun, and I, I I always say people ask me that question all the time, and I always say. Whenever you start on YouTube, make sure it's something that you enjoy doing. Make sure it's something that you're doing for fun, because once you're not having fun anymore, it's it's not worth it. You know, and obviously I took it a lot more serious as the channel grew. Um, I'm ba- hopefully I'm about to 30,000 subscribers uh, this week, and we'll see. But um, never thought it would ever get to this. You know, I just did it for fun, as a hobby. I had recently broken up with my girlfriend at, at the time, and I was just looking to get my mind off of it. And, uh, you know, my friends always told me, you'd be good on YouTube. you got a good personality. You know sports. And um, I just started talking, didn't even realize that people really went to YouTube for sports information. Um, and as you know, now I've been on there for a little bit more than two years. And now I realize people are sick of the ESPNs of the world and the uh, Fox Sports is of the world. And they come to people like me that actually follow the team to get, you know, my opinion on the team. So I absolutely love it. Um, and I've taken it a lot more seriously over the past year or so. And I'm trying to make it a career, you know, whether it's continuing to do what I do on YouTube or. I don't have credentials. I didn't go to school for it, but people seem to like my opinion. They seem to like listening to what I have to say, so I uh, I really do enjoy it. Now, another thing I gotta ask you about: I gotta talk about your buddy Bad Dog for a minute.
2: (laughs) (laughs) When did you first meet and come in contact with him? And what? And when did you guys like start your whole live commentary during the game? I gotta tell you, I the how I found out about you from YouTube. I used I've been watching you and Bad Dog for a couple years. You guys are very
0: fun during the games for sure. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Um, when I first started on YouTube, I, um, I, didn't, I didn't go live at all for the first three months, four months. I just did strictly videos. And then, you know, I built up maybe like 1,200, 1,300 subscribers. And some of my diehards would tell me, you know, you got to go live. You got to go live. So I went live and I did a couple of streams by myself. Then they said, "Oh, you should work with Bad Dog. You know, he's kind of the complete opposite of you. You're both passionate, but he's more of a reactionary guy. You're more of the, I guess, the the patient guy." Um, And they thought it would be a good dynamic. So, um, you know, I I just messaged him on YouTube during one of his live streams. I don't know if I don't think he knew who I was at the time. And um, you know, he said, "Sure, I'll work with you." And then he canceled the first week. I don't remember why. And then uh, you know, he messaged me, and we've been working together ever since. Uh, This week's going to be our one hundred show together in terms of like the giant show that we do. And then um, he will be on my channel calling the game, but yeah, I absolutely love it. Um, I never realized, I think people, I think what people like is they, they get to see it from the perspective of two fans and, you know, rather than listening to
1: Bob Costas call the game, it's more entertaining. Kind of like you guys, LPG, Mike Vivolo, all those super fans. And uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun just talking to you guys and getting your perspective on things and guys that follow the team closely we got a big one this Sunday, guys. Philadelphia, they're three, four, and one. And this is a team that we just played three weeks ago. And um around eleven o'clock at night they're in that game. I'm like, yes, this is our team. And then half an hour later, I'm like, this is our team. You know? <laughs> so the Giants and the Eagles, their last six games have been decided by just one possession. We haven't beaten them since 2016. Can this be the game to get off that schneid? I'll tell you what,
0: man. Um, the first time we played the Eagles, I thought it was going to be, you know, as I was watching the game develop, you know, I, I thought it was going to be that signature game for Joe Judge where you said to yourself, all right, this is the start of the Joe Judge era. We beat the Eagles, the team we haven't been able to beat in forever. We were thoroughly outplaying them, the, you know, that entire game. And then we went, we went on to blow the lead. You know, we choked away 11-point lead with five games, uh, five minutes to play. But like you guys were saying, I heard you say right as I popped in, we, we've we uh, run for over 100 yards the last four games. We've held them uh, to under 100 yards the last four games. And I'll even extend on that it's against the run. So, And that is taking into account the first three weeks where we couldn't stop the run. I think this team is definitely a much better football team th- since I've been covering the team. And I think the biggest reason for it is Joe Judge. I, I think that this is a disciplined football team. I don't think that they beat themselves. Um, and I think they're getting the most out of the talent that they have. They're winning the time of possession more often than not over the last four or five games. They're not beating themselves with turnovers. I think they're going to be in this game. I think they're going to have every opportunity to win this game. And, uh, yeah, I don't think the Eagles are that much better than us. I know that they're healthy, healthier than the last time that we played them. I know they're coming off a bye. But the way the Giants have played in the in the recent weeks, there's no reason to think that the New York Giants can't compete in this game. There's no reason to think that we're not going to have an opportunity to win it. The problem is, like you kind of just said, we haven't put together four great quarters yet. We've put together two great quarters. We've put together two and a half, three and a half. We haven't given you four great quarters yet. To win this game, you're going to need at least three great quarters, um, and we'll see. I don't think the Eagles are that good, though. I, I really do think we have an opportunity to win.
1: I think Absolutely. so, too. Uh, one of the viewers, John Suggs, does not. <laughs> he does not think <laughs> we will beat them on Sunday. But. Well, I don't blame him for feeling that
0: way. We haven't beaten him, it seems like, 10 years, so I, I don't blame him for feeling that way.
1: Yeah, no, 100%. You remember I was in
2: college last time we beat them.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
2: it's, been, it's, been <laughs> it's been that long. Yeah. Um, and I was in high school last time we even beat them in Philadelphia. So there you go.
1: It's God. been crazy, but the Giants have a chance to go above 500 in the division. As crazy as that sounds, I think it's very helpful when you play Washington twice a year. It frustrates me as a Giants fan when fans critique, you know, when are the Giants going to win against a you know, a good team, like a legit team, because you can't play Washington every week of the year. And it is frustrating because we did blow that 21 to 10 lead against Philadelphia in the fourth quarter. And to elaborate off John's comment here, again, our secondary has been a major problem forever. Uh, I think it's just super banged up right now. I mean, we're, we're missing McKinney we know what happened with Baker and it's a shame, but I necessarily, I don't necessarily think it's that bad. I think the offense is more of the issue. But what's your take on this?
0: As far as the secondary goes, I, I think we got some nice young pieces there. I think Peppers the last two or three weeks has actually played really well. This past game he played great. Um, that's kind of been the M.O. on Peppers since he's gotten here, though. We need more consistency out of him. We'll see. James Bradbury has been our best player on defense. Uh, that, that has proven to be a great uh, acquisition by Dave Gettleman. The other corner spot, like you just said, we knew going in it was going to be a problem. Um, after what you know what happened with DeAndre Baker, Baker was a guy that I thought was going to really fit this scheme. He was known as more of a man-press cover guy. We were playing him a lot in zone last year, something he wasn't accustomed to. Thought he was really going to fit the Graham scheme, and Giants got bad luck there. I mean, you can't predict he's going to go out and do what he did. Um, so I knew guys like Ryan Lewis and Isaac Yottam, Like You knew that was going to be the Achilles heel of this defense going in. Um, so, yeah, I mean, half the secondary in terms of the corner spot, sure. We also got some nice, good young pieces. Darnay Holmes, I think, is, could be a very good slot corner. Logan Ryan, I want back. I think the guy's been fantastic for the Giants this year as a leader, a veteran. Um, we need another corner, though. I mean, I, I, I've gone as far to say that in this draft, depending on where we're picking, I might I, – I, right now I'm leaning that way, that I want to take a corner in the first round because I think this defense is that – it relies that much on strong corner play. So – I do agree with them that the Achilles heel is definitely the second corner spot, but like you kind of alluded to, we knew going in, you know, with that, what happened with Baker and, and, uh, Sam Beal opting out that we were going to struggle with that spot to begin with. So I think the defense has done as good of a job as even the the biggest optimist could have hoped for going into the year.
1: I do agree with that. And of course we did waive Corey Ballantyne on Tuesday and we, he was claimed by the Jets, so he didn't go very far, uh, And then we activated Will Hernandez and Dante Pettis, who we claimed off waivers. I happen to like that move a lot. And the Giants, they worked out five players today because obviously Devontae Freeman with an ankle injury, I'm not sure if he's going to play. Sterling Shepard with still dealing with a toe and a hip injury. And then Caden Smith is nursing a concussion. So he's probably, we're not going to, I don't know if he's been practicing or not this week. I don't think he has. He's been limited at most, I'm pretty sure. But again, I mean, it's it's good that you know we were able to claim somebody like a Dante Pettis. But yet yeah, we're thin at the cornerback spot. It, it's sad, but it's true. And I'm hearing now Golden Tate is questionable, and Freeman couldn't finish practice today, according to one of our viewers right now. So how concerning is that heading into Sunday? Because we saw what Washington did to Slayton last week—one catch, six yards. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, Slayton's been hit or miss, hit, hit or miss for the Giants um, really since he's gotten here. I mean, he, and I love Slayton. I think Slayton's going to be a nice part of, of the future of this team. But even last year, I mean, I think he had about 750 yards or so. Most of it came in two or three games. The Jet game he went off, he had a couple of really big games. It's kind of been the same thing this year. I think he's got two games over 100 yards. Um, as far as Tate goes, man, Tate's not a part of the future. I was glad that the New York Giants disciplined Tate. Um, I thought Austin Mack came in. He had a good game for the Giants last week. Even if Tate was ready to play this week, I'd put Mack in ahead of him. I mean, I, I personally don't see Tate as being a part of the future of this team. I love the way the Cho Judge handled that. So, um, and we'll see what we got with Pettis. I think Pettis is going to be, his contributions at least right now to start, if he has any, I think it will be a, as a kick returner. Um, that, that's kind of what his strength was at college coming out, and I think that's where he'll contribute here for the Giants. Um, I don't really expect him to do much in, in the uh, receiving game. But Tate doesn't really bother me. Um, Freeman... I mean, Gallman's done a hell of a job. I mean, last week, Albert Mo- Alfred Morris looked pretty good. I-, I think the Giants can get by with what they got, even you know, even without him this week. I really do. I'm not too concerned with the guys on the injury portion.
1: That's a great point, too. Uh, I know the Eagles have allowed 32 sacks this year. That's actually the most in the league, and they turn it over a heck of a lot. 17 turnovers, which is second to last in the league. And, Hank, I know you wanted to ask, um, Chris, about – our defensive line, and who, quite frankly, they've been the strength of our team. For starters, we got to talk about Dalvin Tomlinson. So, how vital,
2: Chris, do you think it is to lock him up to a contract extension when the season ends?
0: I like Dalvin Tomlinson a lot, um, and it sounds like from the quotes that came out this week that uh, Tomlinson wants to be here. Like, you know, it's he basically even went as far as he that he'll take a discount uh, to stay with the New York Giants, and that makes me happy as a Giants fan. I love Dalvin Tomlinson. Um, I went into the year saying that it's either going to be Leo or him. And it still may be the case because I don't I don't know, you know, I, I don't know how much cap space they're going to have. It's going to be dependent on, you know, the pandemic and how it, it might change right. the, the amount of cap space that every team in the NFL has. But if they have enough, I'd love to keep both. Leonard Williams has been terrific. And we knew coming into the year that this was going to be the strength. But they have played probably even a little bit better than I thought they would. Leonard Williams has five sacks. would just saw that coming? a little bit more than halfway through the year. And, yeah, Dalvin Tomlinson had a, another big play last week. He had a big batted ball. He's always active. He is always active. Um, and I think Dexter Lawrence is only going to get better. I love a, I love this defensive line. We need some edge rushers, but I still contend that I think the uh, cornerback is, is the bigger need because of the way that this scheme is. It's dependent on blitzes, and I think you'll get a lot of coverage sacks with the scheme that they run, but you need strong corner play in order to do it.
2: Definitely. Definitely. And uh, what about Leonard Williams? Love would, him. Would you, drop the, would you drop the bank on him if you had to?
0: Here's what, I, here's what I want to say about Leonard Williams. When we made the trade last year, everybody was pissed off about it, rightfully so. We were two and six yeah. or two and five, I think it was. And everybody was like, well, why are you making that trade? You're not competing no, this year. Why please. are you giving away draft assets? But I thought about it the other day, and I said to myself, when you look at the edge rushers in today's NFL, when they hit free agency, more often than not, they are tagged and traded. That's usually what happens. So if the Giants were going to acquire Leonard Williams, they probably were going to have to trade for him anyway, even if it was in the offseason. I think the Jets probably would have tagged him and then traded him. So I, I still think the Giants would have had to give up draft capital to get him here. I could be wrong on that. But you look at all the edge rushers. That's what happens when they leave teams. on Clowney was tagged and traded. A couple of years ago, the three biggest names, I can't remember what was up the top, man, but they were all tagged and traded. Yannick Ngakou was tagged and traded. It's what happens in today's NFL. So I think we would have to trade for him anyway. So that trade is looking better and better uh, for Dave Gettleman. There's no doubt about it. And that was one of the major negatives that fans had against him. Trade doesn't look so bad right now. Leonard Williams has done a marvelous job with the Giants. Last year they were, I think, sixth against the run. This year they're sixth against the run. um, And they've been even better over the last six weeks. I hate having to pay Leo that money because he isn't a contract year. He has more of a reason to try to go out there and perform as best he can. And he's having a career year. But it's going to be hard. If Gettleman's back, I think he's definitely back. If Gettleman is not, well, then that opens up the discussion about whether or not he's back. But he's certainly uh, earning a contract extension by
1: the Giants. 100%. And another comment, too, here, middle of the pack in terms of cap space heading into next year, $21.15 million to spend, according to John, which, you know, isn't awful Now, you know, I've got to tell you, DT has been loyal. Tomlinson, he came out and stated that, but we know the history of Giants' defensive tackles, how they don't stay past their rookie contract. I mean, Cornelius Griffin, Barry Cofield, Linval Joseph, and Jonathan Hankins, none of those guys stayed, but there is somewhat of a a new, I mean, obviously, there's a new GM now, so that could play into it as well. I know Gettleman didn't draft Tomlinson, and Gettleman has, he hasn't been very, I don't think loyal is the best word to use, but you get what I'm trying to say. Guys who came here before Gettleman have been shipped off. There's not many of them left. Uh, actually, Tomlinson is one of them. Like, Gallman is another. There's not many. Shepard and Ingram, I don't know if there's That's any other. Those are the four. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, so, yeah.
2: Crazy to think that Sterling
1: Shepard's longest tenured player on the Giants.
0: <laughs> that is crazy. That's that insane. Crazy.
1: Um <laughs> It's going to be interesting, this matchup this weekend, because the Eagles have a lot of reinforcements coming, guys. Alshon Jeffrey slated to play his first game of the season. We don't know what to expect there. Miles Sanders likely returning after missing the last two games. And Lane Johnson and Jason Peters have both been limited this week. Uh, And I'm not sure about Malik Jackson, but uh, I think he's kind of iffy. He he probably will play with that quad, because I think he was limited yesterday from what I read. But... Those were a lot of guys that were not necessarily available for Philadelphia in that first matchup. Now, I know Deshaun Jackson is out. Nate Jerry, their leading tackler, is out. And then Zach Ertz is out. But still, I'm a little worried. Do we think that this could potentially alter the stakes of this game? Because right now, I think Philadelphia kind of needs a boost. They're gaining a little momentum coming off their buy.
0: Yeah, I mean to go back to the 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 cap point that he brought up with the twenty one point one five million. Yeah, that's that's an estimation right now. We don't know. You know, that's right. what uh, over the cap is estimating based on the pandemic. We don't know what exactly it's going to be. The other thing is they're going to make adjustments. They're going to cut. They're going to get rid of Tate. Tate's going to save you five or six million dollars. Uh, they're going to make the move with Solder after June first. That's going to save you another ten. I don't think Zeidler is going to be back. That's probably going to save you another 12, 14 if you could trade him. So I still think they're going to be upwards of close to fifty million dollars once once the offseason come gets gets going. And then I think the Giants are going to have to be a little bit aggressive trying to accelerate this process with a young quarterback like Daniel Jones. But as far as this week goes, man, listen, man, I, we know what the Eagles are going to bring. They know what we're going to bring. Um, and it's going to come. That the Giants have to continue to do what they've done the last six weeks. And the difference is they're going to have to close out the game. What they've been so good at the last six weeks is running the ball and stopping the run. If they could do that, they're going to be in games. I mean, Daniel Jones' fumbles are down due in large part to the fact that they're not asking him to throw as much as he did last year. When you're not dropping back to throw 40 times a game, the opportunity for you to fumble the ball is not as high. He's definitely gotten better in terms of holding on to the football. You saw that last week um, when he got blindsided. But I-, I think the Giants need to continue to establish that identity. If they could do it in this game – They've averaged 27 carries a game over the last six contests. If they do that again, they, there's no reason they can't win this football game. I, I, they they have to continue to do that, and I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna be in it to win this game.
1: I would agree. Establishing a running game is important because we know Philadelphia is really good in the sack department. They rank third in the NFL with 28 sacks. Brandon Graham has seven of them. In fact, he had a strip sack against us in Week Seven, but. Um, just to run over a couple analytics quick from Week 7, Daniel Jones had that infamous 80-yard rush that was, yeah. uh, you know. <laughs> the 20-yard the line got the tackle. Yeah, the 20-yard line got the <laughs> tackle. I like that. Sterling Shepard had his first touchdown of the year in that game. And then in that game, we held the edge in the running game. So we could very well do it again. But the Eagles did dominate us through the air. It was a heavily penalized game filled. With turnovers. So I think it's going to be interesting heading into that game, trying to see if we can minimize those turnovers, obviously, because whoever wins the turnover battle will more than likely win this game. Although we did see last week what happened. It it took us five takeaways to beat Washington. So who really knows? You know? Uh, Yeah. I mean, generally speaking, when you win the
0: turnover battle, you're usually going to win. And last time we played Philadelphia, we lost it three to one. Mm-hmm. If we, and we should have won even with that. Now, granted, that third turnover was kind of bogus. It was kind of like a Hail Mary. Everybody got on Jones for that, but there was like 15 seconds left. He's looking down the field at his own 25. He fumbled the ball. But regardless, we still lost the turnover battle, and we still should have won the game. But more often than not, if you win the turnover battle, you're going to win. I mean, you, all you got to do is look at the chart. I think it was – I've done videos on this. I think last year, eight out of the ten teams that were in the top ten in turnover differential made the playoffs. When you win the turnover battle – you're going to be a winning football team. When you run the football effectively, you're going to be a winning football team. The two teams that ran the ball the best last year were the Ravens and the 49ers. They finished with the number one season, both conferences running the ball. Well, made sure makes your offense less predictable. Um, and it, and it, and it makes it so you don't turn the ball over as much. And, and that's what the giants have done better. And if they win the turnover, they're going to win this game.
1: Now let's talk about coach judge. What are your overall thoughts on Joe judge through the first half of the season? he, he seems like a true teacher of this game, and the team is sort of buying into it, though. No? I love Joe Judge. I, I, I've, I've loved Joe Judge really
0: since we brought him in. I love the way that he handles the media, um, and I love the way that he's going to do it his way. You know, it's kind of what I respect about Gettleman, even though most people hate Gettleman. Um, they don't, he don't care what New York fans think. He don't care what the media thinks. Joe Judge is going to do it his way. He was mocked for the tennis balls. He was mocked for the way that he teaches these players. They said he was too hard. I love it. And he continues to do it. He was, you know, including me, I criticized him when he first did it. The musical chairs at the offensive tackle position, that seems to be working. Matt Barrett, they're getting him in there. They're getting him opportunities. I love Joe Judge. I think think in the end, he's going to prove to be a very good head coach for this team.
2: Yeah, I think when he was hired and when I kept hearing, like, about how he ran a type shit during uh, training camp, that won me over, and I'm going to tell you why. Like, this was a young team that they've had they've had a lot of losing over the past, like, what, seven of eight seasons. Yeah. I think we knew that. Like, y- you need someone that wants to make the young players afraid to lose, and I think with a young team like that, Joe Judge was the perfect coach.
0: Yeah, 100%. I-, I think it was the perfect marriage. Um, you know, a lot of people wanted a guy like uh, McCarthy, you know, who's obviously not doing that good of a job now with the Cowboys. <laughs> I don't think he would have fit. I think the Giants needed a guy like Judge, whether it was Matt Rule, who was the guy I initially wanted, or a guy like Judge. I think they needed a young head coach. Yeah. To make. I, I love that the Giants thought outside of the box because this was not a traditional New York Giants hire, the head coach. Um, and I think it's going to work beautifully. The team is playing really hard for him. I don't care what the record says. When you factor in everything, the pandemic, no offseason, Everything like that. The challenging schedule they've played. You look at the teams we played and how close we've played them. The Bucks, the Steelers. You're talking about teams that could be going to the Super Bowl. We played them down to the wire. Uh, the Chicago Bears, the Rams on the road. The Giants have played very well against good teams this year. Um, you know, all you got to do is go back and look at last year. I forgot what the numbers are, but pretty much every team they played that was 500 better last year, we, were, we lost by double digits. This year, we're in every single game we play outside of the 49er game, which was a complete embarrassment. But – the team fights for judge. And right now, that's all I could ask for as a fan. I don't have expectations of playoffs this year. I know where we're at. I know where we're building, but the, 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 uh, the positive is in the NFL, when you get there, it could happen real fast.
2: Oh, that's so true. That is very true. And, um, you know, you know who else we got to thank is Bill Belichick. Cause remember, he was the one that, uh, <laughs> recommended. he was the one that recommended it to, to Gettleman. And, um, safe to say he still loves the Giants.
0: Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I, a lot of people have the fantasy of Belichick coming back here, potentially to be the Giant one day. I doubt it. But, yeah. but he was definitely looking out for us, I think, with Judge.
2: Yeah. Like, he knows that without the Giants, he probably wouldn't have been as big a name in New
1: England later on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's, um, let's dive into the keys to the game now for the Philadelphia game this weekend. I think – the first one for me personally is pressuring Carson Wentz especially now that Peters and Johnson are both back healthy we have to remember this man has been sacked 32 times on the season and realistically the only like consistent offensive lineman in the lineup for them is Jason Kelsey who's fifth ranked center on PFF and he's pretty good in run blocking but he's not very good in pass blocking so that's a big key for me and Hank, I know you wanted to ask Chris a question about Patrick Graham on top of that, no?
2: Yeah, I wanna yeah, I wanted to say how exciting has Patrick Graham um like made this defense as whole? Well? Like how do you like the job that he's done?
0: Love Patrick Graham, and he's he's uh I think he's a really smart guy. I think that um it's kind of what judges said from the start, and you've seen it a lot more with the defense, because I think the offense has taken a little bit more to you don't get acclimated to the new offensive line, the new scheme, everything else, but the defense is very unpredictable. They're very versatile. They come out with a different look each and every game. Um, Last week, they were really aggressive. You know, they were blitzing a lot off the edge. I like this defense. I really do. I like the defensive philosophy, and I think he deserves a lot more credit than anybody else. You know, whether I, I think it has more to do with the coaching than the players themselves. I think he's putting these players in the best positions to succeed, and that's what makes great teams. You look at the Patriots. I mean, the Patriots – they don't have the greatest talent year in and year out when they when they were winning Super Bowls, but they got the most out of the talent that they had. And I yeah. feel like that's what we're getting here with the Giants. We're getting the most out of the talent that we have right now.
2: Yeah, definitely. I, I can totally see that. And I think the next key to the game, and Tom, as you know from every episode we do, this is my favorite key to the game. Sure do. Get off the
0: field, on, third, down. <laughs> yes. That's all. To me, it's the same two key. Well, I'll tell you the, the keys that I always talk about. Third down defense is huge, and we've gotten a little bit better than that over the last couple of weeks. Red zone efficiency is gigantic, and the Giants actually did really good in that last week. They had two touchdowns when they reached the end the red zone. I think they only reached it two times, and they, they scored two touchdowns. But they've really struggled there this year. Daniel Jones has turned it, I think, three times interceptions um, in the red zone. That's very important. When you get it within the twenty. You got to punch it in for six in this game. And the turnovers. I mean, and and, uh, like Tom was saying, you have to get after the quarterback. This is a team that surrendered seven sacks week one against the Philadelphia Eagles. The offensive line is not very good. As you said, they've given up 32 sacks this year, which is the most in the league. Wentz, we talk about Daniel Jones' fumbling problems. Wentz has had him his entire career. The guy puts the ball on the ground. The guy is open to making bad plays to throw in the football. He did it twice against the Giants when we played him, I think, or once, but it should have been twice. He made another really bad throw. We're going to have opportunities to create turnovers in this game. Um, And I, I think we got to bring pressure and we got to be creative in the way that we do it.
1: Fair point. I do agree. I think on the offensive side of the ball too, it's going to start with establishing a running game. And David deal loves to talk about this all the time. Big, uh, running guy obviously former offensive lineman for the giants and gallman has actually has a rushing touchdown in the last three games he's been big and alfred morris continues to get a piece of the pie the question is if Devontae freeman will return but a lot of people have been blaming the offensive line for years but with a good young core improving each week which guy has stepped up the most in key moments to you
0: that's a good question um yeah, and you're absolutely right about the offensive line. And I've been one of the most outspoken guys that I know of. I I I can't stand how bad this offensive line has been since I've been watching the team, and it's why I was crying for them to take a left tackle in this year's draft, and I was ecstatic when they did. Um And then they went out there, they doubled down, they got Parrott, a right tackle in the third, they got Lemieux in the fifth, and I love the direction of the team because of it. They got some young, talented offensive linemen that they're building this team around. In terms of who's most responsible, I mean, I, I just think as a whole, just learn, you know, getting cohesiveness and just playing together. I knew it was going to take four or five weeks for this offensive line to even start to gel a little bit because of that. There wasn't a normal offseason, and 60% of the offensive line was brand new. Nick Gates had never played center. Um, You know, uh, Fleming had never played for the giants and he was a swing tackle. that probably shouldn't have been starting to begin with. Solder opted out. And then of course you had a rookie left tackle in Thomas. So I thought, I thought it was going to take time, you know, for them to have it in even an adequate offensive line, but they're there now. They're, they're definitely at least a respectable offensive line. And I think Gates has played well. He's gotten better week in and week out at the center spot. I still worry about his snapping sometimes. His snapping seems to come in way too high sometimes. Um, Lemieux, I actually thought, eh, he wasn't too good last week, at least in my opinion, in pass protection. Thomas has gotten better. Last two or three weeks, Thomas has definitely taken a major step forward. Zeitler, you know what you got. He's a stable guard. Um, I still don't think he's going to be a part of the future of this team. I would probably point to Thomas because Thomas, I think there's been a significant improvement in his play the last two or three weeks. Um, and I actually think Fleming has actually been pretty good on the right side as well the last three
1: weeks or so. And Parrot, when given the opportunity, has been terrific. And before Hank gets to the next key to the game, I just want to tag this comment again. I don't agree with this, only because why, why would you spend two first-round picks and back-to-back years on a tackle when you addressed it in two of the first three rounds last year?
0: Yeah, okay. Here's what I'll say about Penny Well, by all accounts, you know, and I'm not, a, I'm not a professional scout, but by all accounts, Penix is supposed to be, you know, everybody says Trevor Lawrence is the, you know, the transcendent quarterback prospect, the generational talent. That if you're picking one, you have to take him no matter what. People say the same thing about Swell. He's this unbelievable tackle prospect. He got Heisman votes. I've seen the highlights. He looks terrific. I understand the philosophy. If we're picking at two, I understand at least considering it. If you're not going quarterback, but if I'm picking it as a Giants fan, what would I want them to do it too? If you t- if you're not taking a quarterback, which I don't think they're gonna trade down, I-, I would much sooner trade down, get into that five six range, accrue some draft capital, and go that way. Now, if they don't feel like Matt Parrot's a part of the future and they can't rely on him to be a starting tackle, yeah, you take Swell, you got your two pillars on the outside. But the way that Parrots played, and I know it's been in limited action. There's no reason to think he can't be a really good tackle in the NFL. I would much rather get uh, draft capital. I'm a huge offensive line guy. I would love to have Sual on this team, but I don't think it's in the best interest of this team next year. I think I, I think I would sooner trade down and then maybe address the corner uh, with a guy like Sertain, maybe get a wide receiver like Jamar Chase, uh, maybe get uh, Greg Rousseau, the edge rusher. There's, there's uh, you know Parsons. There's a lot of options there, but I, I would sooner rather trade down if I was picking second. The good news is I don't think we're going to be in that predicament because I really don't think the Giants are gonna be picking top three or four. I think the Jaguars are gonna be two. I think the Jets will be one. And I think the Giants are gonna win enough games here to be in the five, six, seven, eight range.
2: Yeah, I can I can definitely see that. And I think those are all very good points. And um, of course we talked about we gotta talk about one of the main players on our offense. That would be number eight from Duke, Daniel Jones. And one of my keys to the game, and I know Tom agrees with me on this, gotta protect Daniel Jones. You give the guy a clean pocket, he can be one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the league. Look at the touchdown he threw to Evan Ingram. Perfect, perfect pass. Great time in the pocket. And um, Chris, I got to ask you, on a scale of 1 to 10, how optimistic are you that Daniel Jones ha- can, has the ability to lead this team going forward?
0: Well, I'm assuming you said you've been with my channel for a while, Hank. So if you have, you know my draft reaction yeah. to Daniel Jones. I um, remember. <laughs> yeah, that's I, a
1: funny one. Yeah,
0: yeah, I was not. I was not happy on draft night when the Giants selected Daniel Jones, and it, and it had a lot he more to do with Buddy dad Dog, for that matter. Yeah, and most Giant fans. And um, <laughs> reaction. Right, yeah, 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 and it, and it had uh, a lot more to do with I was in love with Josh Allen, and and even more to do with. I didn't think we were ready to support a quarterback like Daniel Jones. And it's not even a knock on Jones. It's more to do with I didn't view him as a transcendent talent. And the team that we had, we were so far away from being able to support a quarterback. I saw it for years with Eli Manning. We ruined the second, the second half of Eli Manning's career because we couldn't block. We couldn't establish a run game. Um, and it was my same thought process with bringing in a guy like Daniel Jones. I said to myself, we're not ready to support this guy. We're going to throw this guy to the wolves. Um, And I still don't think we're fully ready to support him. I still think we need another wide receiver. Uh, I still think this offensive line needs to continue to mature. But I think we're a lot closer now than we were. And I'm definitely not ready to give up on this guy. I've seen a lot of Giants fans saying they're ready to give up on him. They want to draft the quarterback. I'm not doing that. And now, in terms of me being overly confident that he is going to be a franchise quarterback, and when I think franchise quarterback, to me, that means Eli Manning. That means 15 years. This guy's going to be here for his career. And we're not going to have to worry about who's going to be the quarterback on Sunday. I'm not ready to commit to that yet, but I'm also not ready to commit to that he can't do that. I think he can. I think we need to improve this team. The biggest thing for me with Daniel Jones is he's got to he's got to get smart with the football, and, and last week he did that. I like I that he played more like a game manager, and I, I'm not saying he's got to be a game manager his whole career, but I think with the team we have right now, that's what he needs to do. We don't have great weapons. Our offensive line is still not where it needs to be. Our running back's banged up. Even though I like the defense, it's still not a defense that strikes fear into the heart of opponents. We're not best suited to be in shootouts. We're a grinded-out football team. That's how we're going to win football games, and I think that's the way Daniel Jones needs to play. He needs to not play hero ball. He needs to play within his game. He needs to play within what is the best, um, you know, what's best for the offense right now as this team is currently constructed. But if he doesn't force the ball and he doesn't make turnovers, I'm happy with his progression. That's what I want to see these last seven games. But I definitely want to see him be the starter in 2021.
1: Oh, I agree I, with that. I yeah. agree. Um, exactly. Speaking of, you know, the offense, new signal caller in Jason Garrett, who used to be the backup quarterback for Kerry Collins back in that Super Bowl run in the early 2000s. My thing is, and I want to ask you if you like him as a play caller. I do. I think at times, though, some of his plays are a little too predictable. For instance, the flea flicker play. When you run a flea flicker, it's yeah. supposed to be a big play, but it's hard when you have – the Giants offensive line, I think they need to make it more of a simple playbook right now because Daniel Jones should not be getting sacked by Ryan Kerrigan on a flea flicker. But there's other times where J- Jason Garrett's play calling is fantastic. I think right now it's a little too inconsistent.
0: Yeah. Overall, I like Jason Garrett. I liked Jason Garrett when we brought him in. Um, and I knew it was going to be a very vanilla playbook the la- the first f- four or five, six weeks due to what I just said earlier about the offensive line. I thought it was going to take time for them to hit their stride and, Um, you know, for this offense in particular, this, he runs the air courier offense. That's at least, you know, what it's based around. And he wants to be able to throw the ball down the field to be able to do that. You need to be able to block. So I knew it wasn't going to be the full arsenal to start. And I think he's starting to integrate it. I completely agree with you on that fleet flicker play. It was a bad play. Generally, when you call that play, it's more near midfield too. That was kind of on like their own 25 or whatever it was. I just didn't think it was the right spot on the field. I didn't think it was the right down and distance. I didn't like the call. And there's always going to be times where you could nitpick. But overall, I like Jason Garrett. I think this is a much more balanced offense. I think he's shown innovation. Um, you know, I could point to a couple plays. The Golden Tate play where he threw it back across the field. That was creative. Uh, he's been using Ingram a bit in the running game. I like that in the first half of this pass game, they were using um, design rollouts for Daniel Jones. I think that best suits his skill set. It was paying off a bit in the first half. Overall, I like Jason Garrett. I think he's going to be a good play caller for the Giants. All right, and so
2: let's talk about another one of the, our our new guys on offense. Austin Mack, what do you make of this guy? How, how, how do you like him, and how do you feel about it coming off his performance against Washington?
0: Listen, I mean, I, I still don't know what we got. You know, I know a lot of Giants fans are going to automatically go Victor Cruz, Victor Cruz, Victor Cruz, because he was an undrafted guy at a you know big first game. I still don't know what we got, but he was a guy that got good write-ups coming out of Ohio State. A lot of people really liked him. They wanted him to get an opportunity. He's got decent height. I think he's six two, um, and he had a good game. He had a, he had the longest catch. You know what I loved? He had a fifty yard catch in this game. That catch alone is more yards than Golden Tate has had in any single game this entire year. Um, I like Austin Mac. I'm rooting for the kid. I want him to be successful, and there's no reason not to give him every opportunity to do so with this team. Like I said at the top, I'm starting him over Golden Tate at this point. I know Golden Tate's not a giant next year, and I'm hoping that Austin Mack is. I like Mac. You know, we'll, we'll see if he can evolve into something that's, you know, a real part of his team going forward. But uh, yeah, I mean, he definitely had a good game last week.
2: Yeah. I could definitely see him being an X factor in terms of receiving targets. Like if he keeps us up and is still here over the next few years. And I certainly agree with you about golden Tate. He judge handled it very well. He did the right thing. I probably would have done the same thing. And I think it's pretty obvious that, that Golden Tate's pretty much being phased out, and it's only going
1: to be a matter of time before he's gone. <laughs> yeah. We're a little old school here on this show. That's no, um, good. Show him on. Nice. Um, but yeah, so another guy I like too in the offseason, in addition to Mac, was David Sills. Now, unfortunately, he got hurt. Guy who had, I believe, like 18 touchdowns in West Virginia his junior year. Um, And then, unfortunately, he got hurt. And then the wide receiver field has kind of thinned out a little bit. Slayton has cooled off. I think defenses are starting to key on him since, obviously, Tate didn't play last week and Shepard's been banged up. So after that Pittsburgh game, Shepard went down. Slayton's numbers have started to decline a little bit. Uh, He's kind of like a boomer bust type of player. Then Ingram's inconsistencies continue. How do those two players in particular overcome them? You uh, You said Ingram and Slayton? yeah
0: yeah um well first off sills was a guy i loved uh former uh quarterback prodigy i think he was recruited by usc when he was like 13 to be a quarterback and then he converted to be a wide receiver while at west virginia and i think he had 33 touchdowns over his last two years 18 in his last year um and he was a guy that i thought really would have fit this offense nicely he's tall i think he's four. um seems to be a really good red zone target and by all accounts he was having a great training camp and then he got uh hurt or I don't remember sick or hurt I can't remember but he didn't quite make the team another guy that was doing well was Bachman who the Giants really haven't given much of of an opportunity but yeah I thought Sills would have been uh he was the guy I was really looking for because last year I remember when we signed him as an undrafted free agent a lot of people liked him and he had a strong training camp but unfortunately it didn't pan out as far as Ingram goes man I mean Slayton I still like I, I still think Slayton's gonna be a good receiver I think I think the biggest problem with Slayton I think he's playing out of position. I think he's a two. I don't think he's a one. I think you get got a better receiver in here. You put him where he belongs. I think you're going to see more consistency from Sleep. As far as Ingram goes, man, Ingram just piss- – I-, I can't stand – Ingram is like – I don't know if you're a base. are you baseball fans? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so how, how I would equate this – I'm a Mets fan, unfortunately. But Same. How I would equate this is – all right, Mets. Let's think about Mets. Um, what was the name of that uh, closure that we used to have that threw 100 miles an hour, but he always got crushed? Um, Billy Wagner. Not you're Wagner. You're talking about Armando? Who was it? You're talking Frans- about Armando? No, no. He wasn't as good as these guys. It was like the really bad era when Wigginton was our starting third baseman. Oh, he you're tech- talking about Braden Looper. No, but you're close. You're getting warm. I can I don't know why I can't remember the name, but whatever his, his name, name was. Fan, I know, I know a lot of Matt Petri. Yeah, yeah, you're getting close. Um, why well, can't I remember the guy? I'll. I will remember it by the end of this podcast. But with the he, he threw. He, that's what Ingram reminds me of, because the guy I'm talking about used to throw 100 miles an hour, but he had no movement and he had no location. And when you have no movement and no location, oh, you are going to get talking about Armando. No, not Benitez. He wasn't. This guy wasn't that good. Uh, but he threw really hard. But I can't remember his name. But regardless, he um. You know what? I'm going to look it up because this is pissing me off. But, <laughs> um, but uh, that's what Ingram's like. Like he's a guy like this guy I'm talking about that has this hundred mile an hour heater, but he can He has no no control, and he doesn't have any movement on his fastball. So people tee off. It's the same thing with Ingram. You see this guy, and he's got everything you could possibly want in a tight end. He's uh, and, uh, outside of the blocking in terms of a receiver, he's a mismatch. He creates separation, but the guy can't catch the football. And the guy also has injury problems on top of that. And he's how many games has he cost? us? like people like to talk about Daniel Jones. How many games has Evan Ingram cost? He had the crucial fumble against the 49ers on the play that Daniel Jones got credited for the fumble. By the way, Jones has two lost fumbles. That's one of them. That that one. And the other other one's Andrew Thomas. When Andrew Thomas completely missed the block. Um, So Evan Ingram has been horrible this year. But I, I, I still was not in favor of trading him. The reason being... Was because I look at the trade market like the stock market. And when you're at an all time low, which is what Evan Ingram is right now, you don't trade him. Mm-hmm. Like, you're going to get like a six round pick for the guy, fifth round pick. I would wait it out and hope he improves. But do I think Ingram is going to be a part of the long term solution for this team? No way. I, the guy can't block and the guy can't hold on to the football.
1: You can't. That, yeah, I'd that
0: think. would be like if
2: I asked the Yankees to trade Gary Sanchez. Not going to do that. Nobody's going to take his 150 batting average, even with his home runs.
0: Exactly. That, that, that's what I'm getting at. Now I'm going to look at Mets 2008 roster. I'm going to get this guy's name. And, and then you guys are going to be like, oh, yeah, I remember that guy. Well, I saw a guy comment
2: in the make a comment. Did he say Brito?
1: Brito? Uh, I
2: don't know. No, gonna not, not 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 Brito. This is gonna be- and I know it's not Sid Finch because he's not even a real pitcher.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um. I was going to the
2: one hundred sixty-eight mile per hour for like Subveng did.
1: While you're doing that, I'll just say again, you brought it up before, and Ingram's inconsistencies are part of the reason. I mean, almost caused us a turnover last week, and you mentioned it before. The Giants lost the turnover battle in Week Seven, three to one to Philly. And when you have a safety like Rodney McLeod back there, really good in pass coverage, it's definitely concerning. I know Jalen Mills had a pick against us in Week Seven, but. I do have some players to watch for Philadelphia, and this is our last segment, our players to watch segment. Every week. I got it. Every. By the way, I got it. Oh, you got it. Who is Bobby? It? Bobby Parnell. That's who it is. Oh. Yes, yes, I remember him. Yeah. Bobby
0: Parnell. He was like the closer during like the dark days of the New York Mets, and he 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 threw like hundred and one miles an hour when everybody wasn't throwing a hundred. But the guy had no movement on his ball. He had no. It was that's how I equate Evan Ingram. He's like this guy that you see these great, you know, raw abilities, but he doesn't. He's not the complete package.
2: So that's funny that you yeah. said, that because in a few episodes, I compared him to Gary Sanchez. That's, that's a good comparison as
1: well. Yeah. yeah. That's a good yeah. comparison. Par, well. Parnell should have never been a closer. He should have stayed as like the seventh, eighth inning man at, at best. I think that was his ceiling in, in his peak, but anyway, um, Philadelphia, I have several players to watch and it expands beyond this graphic, but these are my top three. Uh, Carson Wentz, obviously, In 2020, he's turned it over a lot, as you can see. Uh, He's been sacked 32 times, and his completion percentage is low, but he's still very successful against the Giants. Seven and one all time, and his numbers are really good. Travis Fulgham is another guy too. He's emerged into their number one receiver in recent weeks. Leads the team with 435 yards, and he's up there in Pro Football Focus world. Um, we like to pay attention to that too a little bit because um, his numbers are very good and then of course there's Brandon Graham who had the strip sack back in week seven and he's up there in sacks one of the league leaders in sacks also very successful against the Giants what do you make of these three here
0: yeah I I, I I Carson Wentz goes without saying um you know he always kills the Giants and uh that yeah that, that he's obviously the primary focus on uh, on the defense he's a guy that we saw it the, the first time we played. The guy makes plays. Even when he's having a bad game, the guy made plays those last two drives to keep him in the game. Um, and really that big, I think it was like a 60-yard throw. That's what really started to make me think we're we're probably going to lose this game. Mike Tower, yeah. Yeah. He's a guy that um, you could never count out, and he makes plays to win football games. There's no doubt about it. I still respect Wentz. I know he's going through a really tough year, um, but I still think he's a really talented quarterback. Fulgham, he's a guy that kind of came out of nowhere. Six-round pick uh, from uh, Old Dominion, I think it is. um, You're right, yeah. And he was cut by, I think, two different teams before he ended up on the Eagles, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as far as he goes, the Giants don't seem to do it. I don't know why. When I look at the Eagles right now, he's far and away their best weapon. I'd mirror him with Bradbury, but it doesn't seem like the Giants do that. It seems like they leave Bradbury on his side of the field.
1: They don't travel. Yeah, they don't travel.
0: Um, Fulgham's a guy that I think he's going to have a good game against us. I do, because I think... I don't trust Yadam. I don't trust Ryan I don't. Whoever's on that other side, I don't trust. And I think there's going to be times in this game where Fulgham's matched up on him, um, and I think the Eagles are going to look to pick on him. So I worry about Fulgham, and I worry about Wentz. I think those are two great players that you pointed out. Those are probably the two guys I worry about the most. I'm not too concerned with Miles Sanders. I'm more so in the passing game. I worry a little bit more about Sanders in the passing game because our linebackers aren't great in coverage. We are getting Crowder in the back this week, who's more athletic than the guys we've had in there, but... Um, in terms of the run game, I think the Giants will do the job. Brandon Graham, of course, you know, another guy, much like Wentz, a guy that you know is going to show up every Sunday, a guy that's been a, a stable force for the Eagles for quite some time. And, um, we'll,
1: you know, who's going to be matched up to up on him? Is he going to be on the left side, Graham? Yeah, so it should be Andrew Thomas. So, Thomas, yeah, so that, that's Although a good test he might for Thomas. He might, he might move to Graham, so we'll see. But.
0: Yeah, that'll be a good test for Thomas. Thomas has been tested against some of the best edge rushers in football. Um... We'll see if he's up for the test, but yeah, I mean, he's definitely one of the guys you want to look out for on that Eagles team. They got Slay in the secondary; who's another really good player for them. Um, but yeah, man, it's gonna it's gonna come down to establishing that ground game and keeping Daniel Jones on his feet. And uh, Brandon Graham is definitely gonna be one of the one of the guys you definitely got to look out for.
1: I agree, and I think Fulgham too. Out of the second-year receivers, he's been second best, just behind A.J. Brown. He's been fantastic, uh, and he's probably going to be matched up. Me and Hank like to call him Bradbury Bunker, James Bradbury. Remember how Darrell Revis had Revis Island? Revis Island, Joker, yes. James Bradbury. It's Bradbury Bunker. That's what we like to call
2: <laughs> Okay, um, Tom, you are the. You should be getting credit for that. That was your thing. Don't don't
1: give me credit for that one that was your idea, and you should get trademarks. Well, just Trademark. saying – There's one other thing, and it's a shame on us for not bringing this up yet, because Richard Rodgers was the leading receiver for Philadelphia in week seven, six catches, 85 yards. We need to know where Dallas Goddard is on the field. He He is back. He's healthy. He played last week. How concerned are you about being able to contain Dallas Goddard?
0: Uh, yeah. I, I want to bring up one other point too on the defense is the interior defensive line, which I think might be the Eagles biggest strength on defense that, you know, with Fletcher yeah. Cox and th- they got a really good interior defensive line. We actually struggled to run the ball against them uh, between the tackles. Last time we played Jones, of course, had the big run, but um, yeah, I mean, anytime we play a team with a really good tight end, I'm concerned. That's, that's been the Giants MO for years. Um, you know, we, we have not done well against the tight end position. They've beaten up our linebackers. We don't have the most athletic linebackers. I love Martinez, but he's not known for his coverage skills um you know they've used Logan Ryan a lot uh against tight end so far this year but that's a mismatch in itself as well yeah I think Goddard will be used a lot throughout this game I expect them that he's probably going to be the guy they target the most if I had to guess in the passing game um
1: because of our liability in terms of coverage at that position and I think too that's where and again I know David Mayo and Blake Martinez are Run linebackers. You mentioned Tay Crowder is probably the best out of those three in terms of pass coverage. I can't stand when Downs is out there. I think he needs to stay on special teams, but I think the rotation of Mayo and Crowder is going to be key on Sunday, assuming Crowder does get the green light to play. Uh, you know, that's going to be big because remember, Boston Scott, another guy too. I know he probably won't get as many reps as last time around, but he killed us, had the game winning touchdown in week seven. He always kills us. Our linebacker, yeah.
0: Didn't he, didn't he? did he have three touchdowns against us last year in a game? Yeah, he did. Yes, I think. Yeah. Were we? Was that the?
2: Was that the week seventeen game at home? I think it was. I Might think
1: it was. It. Yeah, um, he yeah. kills us. It's going to be a crazy game. And then, lastly, before we let you go here, Chris, and actually, we'll make our game predictions too. But um, Giants players to watch. There's three of them. We talked. A heck of a lot about them on this show. Leonard Williams, Blake Martinez, and Evan Ingram. They still have the Packers jersey up on NFL.com, so I couldn't use that for Blake. But um, Blake's been great. He's he's been he's been the guy for us on their center. Really good against the run. Not I, as you can say probably mediocre in pass coverage. He's been better over recent weeks. I know he caused the Ronald Jones fumble. Well, Dallin Tomlinson caused that by tipping the pass, but. And then, you know, he's done a good job against running backs. And then Evan Ingram leads the team in catches. But and I I didn't know this, but he's caught at least five passes and he's only played three career games against Philly. He's missed a lot of Philly games. It's the first year Ingram's really fully been healthy. So that's been fun to watch. But hopefully he starts to make some plays and not cost us games because we know what happened last time three weeks ago against Philadelphia, that um, illustrious drop. That he had two drops.
0: Yeah, one of them resulted in an interception, too, um, earlier in the game that went through his hands. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think Evan Ingram is always a, a, a key to the game uh, for me, simply because without Barkley, um, Ingram, in my opinion, is probably our best weapon in terms of being a mismatch and somebody that you have the game plan for on the other side of the football. So yeah, I, I agree with that. I would say Ingram is. And Martinez has been terrific uh, this entire year, much better than I thought he would be um, as an overall player. That has proven to be a great acquisition by Dave Gettleman, and he's a stable force in the middle, and we need him each and every week. And as far as Leonard Williams goes, yeah, I mean, he's been our best pass rusher. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I would agree with that. I think Bradbury's another guy that you got to point to that's always a, a, a key player, as well as uh, Peppers. I mean, the way he's played the last couple of weeks, he's a guy that you could kind of move around in that defense um, and maybe create a couple of turnovers with. But, yeah, those would be some of my key guys on defense. Um, maybe Slayton, a guy that could take the top off. The offensive line as a whole is, to me, the biggest key. And I think in most weeks it is, but this week in particular because I think we need to be able to establish that ground game.
1: That's a really good point you bring up there. Uh, Hank, anything you'd like to add on that, the Giants players to watch?
2: Yeah, I, I think those three are good ones. I would also throw in Wayne Gallman because he's another guy that's slowly over the season I feel like he has been getting better and – I think he's another player that should be fed the ball more often than put yeah. it simply, very underrated. And
0: I would go as far as to say, probably one of our unsung heroes over the past week or so. Wayne gomman has been great. Yeah. Um, you know, he's uh, he's proven to be worthy of a, of, a, of a contract extension, in my opinion, if it's, you know, for a reasonable cost. Because I think about who could compliment Saquon Barker when he comes back. That's the type of running back I want. The way that he's been
1: running, he's been yeah. running hard. He has and he's up due for a contract this year as well if they bring him back but um, we'll see what happens and then actually he played high school baseball with Austin Meadows I don't know if you knew that but I was looking that up and I found that out last week I did not know that's pretty
0: cool I did not know that
1: it is pretty cool Um, but let's pick this game last thing we're going to discuss here Um, Hank why don't you go first as I'm reluctant to kick off because we know what happened last time I did (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> all right. Well, you know what? I can't believe I'm actually going to do this. I, for, I've been fighting all day who to pick in this game prediction-wise. And no, knowing our luck playing the Eagles, I said the last time it was like watching Groundhog Day on repeat but not having the happy ending. <laughs> <laughs> if you can believe this, I don't know why, but my gut's telling me I actually have the Giants winning this game. Yeah I'm going to say I'm going to say 24-21 to The Giants win A late field goal at the end by Daniel Jones I just I just have a weird feeling This losing streak has to end sooner or later And with the progress they showed I just have a re- really funny feeling This is going to be the week
1: With that being said Riley Dixon will have like 10 punts Big Red will be out there often Oh for sure <laughs> oh, um, That's a given <laughs> So we've had a big history against Philadelphia, um, and Chris, you can go next. But uh, before I get there, I just want to say that our history of Philadelphia is, is, goes a long way back. And I know the early 2000s, we had a good edge against them, but this last decade it's just been so off, and it's been just very difficult to pick these games for me. Like These are probably the toughest games of the season to pick because you want to pick the Giants, but they just don't match up well against Philly for some reason
0: yeah they've won they've won I think 20 out of the last 24 contests I mean they they've completely dominated us in these games but you know I look back at last game man that's a game we should have won uh and and uh, but you could say that about a lot of the games three out of the last four contests we've played against them one one into overtime have been decided by ten points so in regulation those three contests were I think uh by four points they they were uh decided by so they they we could won any one of those three and we just haven't found a way to get it done I think this is a team we absolutely have an opportunity to win to win this game. I, I really do in my heart believe that the way that we've been playing. Um and maybe I'm gonna be homer, maybe I'm gonna be a bit optimistic. Last time we played I picked the Giants. I was wrong. I got the total points right. I had a Giants twenty three, I had an Eagles twenty. It was twenty two twenty one. I think it's gonna be a really close game. Um and I'm gonna have it at a similar score to where Hank has it. I'll go I, I you know what I was on Mike Two Nice's podcast. I said twenty six twenty one. I'm gonna stick with it. Twenty six twenty one Giants.
1: Nice Mine's going to be very close to yours as well. I actually have Giants 26-23. I think we're going to see a lot of field goals. I think there's going to be less errors this time around. I think the Giants have learned from Week 7. I think Joe Judge is going to have his team prepared. They're never not prepared, I've noticed. Even the games that they lose, they give it their all. And, you know, something tells me, like... Maybe it's just the Giants fan bias coming out of me, but I truly think the Giants are going to win this football game. I think the defenses will kind of offset each other a little bit and keep the score low in the first half. And then the second half, I think Jones just kicks it into a groove as where Philadelphia, I mean, I think being home this time definitely helps the Giants out as well. I know there's no fans, obviously, but uh, give me the Giants 26 to
0: 23. You bring up a lot of field goals. How good has Graham Gano been this year? Well if you remember our Honestly, last he's a ten, he's a twenty.
1: Yeah. You yeah. want to talk about unsung heroes, he's been he's been an unsung hero. He's been real good. if you remember our last kicker from Scotland, it was Lawrence Tynes. And if you follow his Twitter account, he is absolutely all over the nuts and bolts of the Giants as well. And you know, I, I happen to agree with him that Graham Gano has been a real gem because you know, getting Aldrich Rosas was great. And obviously, it was a shame what happened with him. But before that, our kickers were like a carousel. Like we had Josh Brown one year. I know we had Shane Graham for a hot second. Randy Bullock, like those guys, and that's just we had John Carney one year when Thunders yeah. was out. Remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 2008, 2008. Yeah. We had,
0: uh, we, then we have uh, what's his name from the Bears too, uh, Gould. Robbie Gold. Robbie Gold. Yeah, we had him. Yeah, we had a, we had a bunch of kickers.
2: That was 2016. We had Robbie Gould.
1: Yeah, yeah. Year we, we made the playoffs. Who could play have? I up? was at the game where the Bears scored
2: first, and then we scored first, and both our kickers missed extra points. That was a weird one. <laughs> <laughs> when yeah. uh, Jay Cutler threw his last pass as a Bear, which was an interception, to Landon
0: Collins. <laughs> Trivia question: Who who caught uh, Brett Favre's last pass as a Packer?
1: Corey, Corey Webster. Webster. There you go. <laughs> 2007 nfc championship game baby Man, those are the days like forever ago but chris uh anything you'd like to add before we end this podcast here tonight
0: no man i, I just want to say uh thank you guys for giving me the opportunity to come on man i always um love talking giants with anybody you know that's always trying to start a podcast or has a podcast or um i appreciate you guys co- uh, having me come on and um yeah man i had a lot of fun talking with you guys seems like you guys think a lot like me in terms of being old school and um, yeah, I'm all about old school. So I appreciate you guys having me on, and hopefully, we're all right. Hopefully, the New York Giants come out with a win because if we do win this game, because we didn't even talk about the uh, possibility of making the playoffs, if we were to yeah. win this game, um, you know, I figure, I figure there's a good chance we beat Cincinnati if we can. And then all of a sudden, you're probably looking at at least a 50% chance to make the playoffs, as crazy as that sounds. So we're, you know, this is a big game, as crazy as it sounds. This is a big, and it's not even for the playoffs because for me, the playoffs aren't that important this year. Of course I want to make the playoffs, but for me it's more so just building just like confidence and, and build, you know, the fan base buying into this. And I think if you win this game, then the fan base, the negative part of the fan base can no longer say, well, you can't beat Washington. You, you I mean, you can't beat anybody but Washington. Now you beat the Eagles. And and now that whole thing, you get the monkey off your back and then going into next year, maybe you start to believe we could win in this division. So I, th- I think the Eagles game and the Cowboys game are so important. Um, down the stretch this season. This is by far the biggest game of the year,
1: without a doubt. 100%. I know we had you on a lot longer tonight than I thought we would, but this was great. Really appreciated, And we hope to have you back soon, talk about the draft, potential opportunity of the playoffs if they win this game. I think they'd have to go 3-3, three and 4-2 three, and two after the bye to get in. But if they beat Philadelphia, hey – Three wins to get you. I mean, you well, that the, the,
0: way, the way I look at it is this. If you look at the Eagles' remaining schedule, it's brutal. They play the Saints. They play the Cardinals. They play the uh, they play Packers. Uh, they play five really good teams after they play us. I don't remember what the top of my head. Well, yeah. The Browns and the Seahawks. Those are the other
1: two. We have the Seahawks, have the Seahawks too.
0: Yeah. yeah.
2: Let me respond to Mr. Mr. Rothschild for a bit. Playoffs, playoffs? Yeah, no. I agree with you. It's it's an odd thought right now. And if you had told me before the season that I would be thinking Giants playoffs possible at two and seven, I probably would have looked at you like you had three heads. But it's not quite out of the possibility. Am I saying it's going to happen? No. But you know what? It's kind of fun to think about that right now.
0: Got to win the next two. I, I'm not. To be honest with you, I'm not even thinking about it unless you win the next two. If you beat the Eagles and the Bengals, I legitimately think we're the favorites to win this division. When you Bengals look at the Eagles' schedule,
1: are the Bengals Week
0: Twelve? The Bengals are after the bye. First game okay. after the bye,
1: yeah. yeah. So that could be a building block for us. But yeah, that could stem into something really good for this team. But uh, Chris guzo the Entertainer, the uh, the Entertainer, you got it, you got it, you got. It. You got it. No, you can say it like Tana. I, I I just did it for fun when I first it. Yeah, yeah, I'm trying, yeah, trying to yeah. cover that like New York accent. As that's I'm why saying, I did it. That's why I did. It. I, I'm from I'm from <laughs> Queens, and I don't I don't have that New York. I, I don't have it as much. But oh you, oh oh, <laughs> so that
0: explains why you're a, a New York Mets. How, by the way,
1: I don't think the Mets are going to do this year. Um, you know, I'd probably say. I mean, it depends. I don't know. I don't think Syndergaard going to be back. He's probably not going to be ready. So uh, it, it depends. I, I mean, I like Steve Cohen and what he's doing. We got to go after – we got to get another starter in here. We got to get bullpen help, starter, new catcher. But you know what? Realistically, I think the Mets could get a wild card spot this year. I mean, I don't know about the division. I'm more of like – I wouldn't say I'm on the pessimistic side of being a Mets fan, but when I, – I, I'm only 25, so like I, I've seen a lot of losing outside of 2006. Oh, I'm
0: 35. I've seen a lot of losing too.
1: Yeah. So, <laughs> but, but, uh, no, I, say I mean, maybe if they play the full season, like anywhere between 85 to 88 wins, something around that.
0: Yeah. I, I, um, I'm excited about Cohen. I really am. Uh, for once, we have an owner that I think is actually going to spend and, and try to keep this team competitive year in and year out. And, um, like you, you know, I'm not going to go in with World Series aspirations this year. It's possible. I think it could happen. Um, got to see what they do in the offseason. But I, I think they're going to spend. I think he's going to come in here. And he's going to try to show the Yankees, listen, there's two teams in this town. Um, I think he's going to go out there. I think he's going to try to go after Real Muto. Um, I think he's going to try to go after Trevor Bauer. We've heard rumors about them potentially going after the shortstop from Cleveland. Um, So we'll see. You know, we'll see how active the New York Mets are. But I'm really excited about baseball season this year. Me too. Yeah,
2: me too, although I'm the odd man out
0: here. (laughs) <laughs> well, you got. I mean, the, the Yankees are good, so you're good.
2: Yeah, no, I think I think they'll be fine. I just, hopefully they can get another pitcher or two, and hopefully they can maybe, you know, try hitting for contact rather than going for the home run.
0: Yeah, that that's but, always been the problem. I, I never liked your lineup construction. Um, yeah, me neither. It's for the playoff baseball, you have too many like, swing and miss hitters. <laughs> yeah,
1: I completely agree with that. Completely. Strike out or home run, but uh Chris, again, thank you so much for joining us tonight. We'll have to have you back on soon, and uh, appreciate you joining the show, and let's go Giants. Thank you guys for having me on. I appreciate Take it. group. No problem. Okay, Hank. And before we go, just one final thing. Man, he was great. He's a lot of fun to talk to. He's kind of like us in a lot of respects. So
2: he really is. I, I've been following him on YouTube for about a couple years now, and it's it, it's been great to have the chance to talk to him and have him on our show. I knew I knew this was gonna be a lot of fun. And yeah, Chris, if you're still watching, listening, thanks again for coming on our show. It was it was a pleasure.
1: All right, so On behalf of Hank and Dichter, I'm your host, Tom Scavetta. Before we sign off, just a reminder, the North Pole with Gabe Flayton will be starting in just 11 minutes at 8.30 p.m. on our channel here at Review and Preview Sports. Thank you one and all for joining us tonight. Tune in next week for another episode of Big Blue Avenue. We'll let you know about the time if we have to start early, but it should be starting at 7 p.m. Eastern time. Hank, thank you very much for joining me tonight. So long, everybody. See you next week. Go Big Blue.